Welcome to the So What Do You Do podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. talk to Michael and Michael is a mechanical engineer who works in the oil and gas industry and he talks about his experience going to Georgia Tech choosing mechanical engineering his experience doing co-op or internship work for a completely different industry and then just having oil and gas kind of fall into his lap and what he's been able to do with it since what he does every day um, he has some amazing pieces of pieces of advice to really start your career on your right on the right foot have a good mindset and really make the most of your career especially if you're an engineer if you are a problem solver someone who likes hard challenging problems and working with a team then this episode is for you so let's chat with Michael all right everyone so we have Michael on the line so Michael without any further ado please introduce yourself and tell us what do you do hey guys I'm Michael Cleary I am a um, mechanical engineer and I work in the oil and gas industry Uh, specifically I work with rotating equipment so i tell everyone any anything in the industry that goes roundy roundy is something i i uh, tend to have an influence on so that could be pumps compressors agitators mixers and uh, my job as a rotating equipment engineer specifically is to um, ensure that we are running reliably that we are um We are advancing any technologies that will help us have a competitive edge over other companies and ensuring that any reliability issues are are solved and uh, that we're not going to be failing in the same way that we did last time. Awesome. Well, thank you, Michael. That is so helpful. And we're going to go deep into like what that really means. I'm sure some listeners are thinking like, oh my gosh, engineer, engineering terms, potentially over your head. If you're feeling like, I don't know what any of that is, that is fine. You're in good company. You're sitting on my side of the bench. So that's good. We're going to understand. But before we get there, I want to learn a little bit from you, Michael, your background. So maybe where you went to school, what you studied, and then kind of what your first role was out of college. Okay. So I uh, went to college at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Uh, Go Jackets. (laughs) and I studied mechanical engineering there. I went into school knowing I wanted to be an engineer because I was good at math and science, but had no idea what type of engineering degree, so I went in as undecided, and I went to a uh, program where they gave you a synopsis of all the different engineering degrees, and I picked the one that had the least to do with chemistry because that was not something that I was strong in, so it was either mechanical engineering or aerospace, and I went the mechanical route. Awesome. Uh, and for anyone that knows Georgia Tech, um, you know I went to Georgia Tech. Michael and I were there at the same time. Didn't quite know each other, but still we are fellow alumni. But if you know anything about Georgia Tech, mechanical engineering is like their bread and butter, right? It's that It was their first degree ever. 
it, it's it's kind of like the staple of the engineering program. Is would you agree? I would. It, it, I think that's their number. That and industrial engineering are the top two engineering uh, disciplines that people go into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're like, okay, I want to stay away from chemistry. So, but I, but I like math and science in general. So I'm going to do engineering. Obviously you were at Georgia Tech. Engineering's big there also. So it's like a win-win. You pick mm-hmm. mechanical. So then at what point did you start thinking this is the industry or this is the type of role? Like kind of, did you have internships? What, what was that process like? Yeah, my uh, junior year, I went to the career fair, and or the summer before my junior year is when I started applying for things. But the beginning of my third year of college, I started going to career fairs and landed a, a few interviews, and they were mainly with manufacturing companies, different industries within manufacturing. Um, but I ended up getting a co-op with a uh, with Kimberly Clark, which is. Um, uh, home products company. They make toilet paper, tissue paper, um, that type of product and did three terms with them over the next uh, two years. And so learned a lot, worked with rotating equipment and fixed equipment, which is like pipes and things that don't move that you still have to do mechanical related engineering with. But um, that was the single most beneficial thing to uh, launching me into some kind of competitiveness for jobs after college. Awesome. So I, I love that you say that, that that was kind of the, the kickstarting to you being competitive because it's one thing to get a degree and we talk about this a lot, but, and sometimes we even think, oh, I've got this great degree from Georgia Tech, engineer, you know, what have you, but the experience sometimes can really tip the scales in getting an excellent opportunity after school. So I love, I love that you call that out as well. So you did this internship, you had great hands-on experience. Um, it was not in the oil and gas industry, but it, it was still with a very well-known, you know, company and, and good exposure. So then what really brought your attention to oil and gas upon graduation? Uh, so I was actually, I was still in school uh, when my, I had two friends who had uh, gone into oil and gas and actually the company I ended up hiring with. And I'd only heard uh, good things uh, about it. Uh, they actually went from the chemical engineering uh, side of things, but uh, they told me, they gave me a tip that we were going to have, they were going to have a recruiter in town and got me uh, personally introduced to them. Uh, so it helped skip some of the lines at the uh, career fair that fall. And uh, I was actually co-oping that fall. And before I even finished my co-op with Kimberly Clark, I already had an offer from the company. So was I looking at oil and gas? No. Um, but the more you learn about it and how, um, how essential it is truly mm-hmm. in this day and age, and, and a lot of people think just gas, but so many products from from you know the makeup industry to plastics to um and even food grade plastics crowns candles all that comes from petroleum Mm -hmm. um it seemed like a very secure industry and and that was very attractive to me but i i it truly kind of fell on my lap by the grace of god so i can't say that i was like seeking it out it really kind of helped found me. <laughs> no, I think I, I think that that's so valuable though because I think 
sometimes we think we have to know it, it all. We have to know the answer. We have to know the path. I work with so many students that I can tell they're discouraged because they don't, they don't have a quote unquote dream job. And I think that there's this, there's this, I call it dream job propaganda where it's in this world. It's like, you'll never work a day in your life if you're working in your dream job. And it's just, that's not always reality. Right. And I don't mean that to like depress anybody in the room or make them think that work is horrible. It's, it's really not. My point is you learn what you like based on opportunities that are available to you and chances that you take and people that you meet kind of similar to your story. And so I love the fact that you weren't necessarily like eye on the prize. I'm going in the oil and gas industry. It was, you learned about it. You met people, they sought you out. It was a good fit, you know, like you said, stable, um, you know, in like income and, and industry. And I just, I love that. So thank you for sharing. And that's a perfect pivot point into our second part of the podcast, which is kind of the meat and potatoes of what do you actually do? And so what I would love to hear from you, and then I'll kind of turn the floor over and I want you to take this wherever makes sense for what it is that you do, but walk us through like an average day or where you spend most of your time or even skills that you think maybe some of my listeners, if they have these skills, they may be a good fit in your job. Um, but I'll just kind of let you, let you take it and run. Um, so the, the average day, uh, I would say I got used to long hours at work, but um, over time, the better you get at anything, the more you'll enjoy it. So now uh, putting in 10 hours is, is normal, but it's not a burden. But I'll say it starts normally pretty early. You get to work and I'll typically have some reports when a, when a site is fully functioning. I'm actually at a site being built, so it's a different phase of the industry. But uh, at a full uh, operation manufacturing plant, you'll have some kind of reports from the previous night or the previous 24 hours where specifically for me, uh, basically look at these reports to see the health of certain equipment and what things could health be made of. That could be like vibrations or temperatures. Did things exceed alarms that would indicate there's an issue? Um, and that could prompt further digging if there were any uh, deviations. After I kind of uh, drink coffee and go over the reports, there's uh, morning meetings to discuss what are the major events happening in the day across the units I support. Um, that's a valuable time to get cross-disciplinary uh, interaction. Like you get to interact with the electrical engineers and uh, the process guys, which is like the chemical engineers and operations, the people turning the valves, pushing, pushing the buttons to control the unit. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of cross-discipline interaction to ensure everyone's aware of what everyone's doing for safety reasons, as well as for efficiency reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that, it, it, really every day is different. I mean, I like to spend at least half the day out in the field on the unit. So that's um, going and looking at equipment that we're having issues with or reinstalling or, or tearing apart. Um, because hands-on experience, especially in my role in this industry, is, is valuable beyond anything else. I mean, you can learn a lot from textbooks. In fact, there's a lot of classes I wish I did take in college that would have benefited me a lot more than some of the electives I did take. But hands-on experience is invaluable. And to see things in 3D and not on a piece of paper, um, 
is really hard to beat. And I will say uh, there's something to be said for being out in the field because you interact with people a lot more. And this business, uh, I think the more I've learned about being an engineer, it's less about knowing every formula, but knowing the resources you need to go to, to get things done. Like we're, maybe you could be a design engineer where you design something that's super technical and you're on your computer or something all day, but a regular engineer, you're a problem solver. Essentially, you don't have to know everything, but a good place to get to is where you know who to go to, to get an answer. And you can develop, you can develop a reputation for being a fantastic engineer when really you're just getting all the right people together to help solve complex problems. Um, but <laughs> that was kind of a, uh, digression, but, um, yeah, 50% of the day in the field, there'll usually be, you know, meetings that fortunately I've enjoyed with COVID, uh, that there's been a lot of virtual meetings, which is more efficient. You don't have to drive from building to building or walk from office to office. Uh, so you can get meetings done quickly and be more efficient with your time. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the you're, you're sometimes uh, calling vendors and aligning on um, products that you're interested in or getting them to come in to help troubleshoot things that, um, just like I was mentioning, where you have to call other experts and get in touch with people who have the knowledge that you don't have. Sometimes that's vendors, sometimes that's other people within the company. Um, but you really, it's really the flavor of the day. A lot of this job can be firefighting where whatever's hottest at the moment, like, Hey, this pump is down. We're losing this much money. We need to get it back up and running. That's where your priorities are. You're always going to have way more on your list than you can ever complete. I think that was one of the hardest things getting used to coming out of college. But, um, the biggest thing is to address what's, what's most essential right now. Like you have to truly optimize your time and that's, that's tough to learn. I think that will forever be one of my improvement areas. Um, I hope, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just, I love that you say that you've said a couple things that I want to like just double down on because I think it's so important and, and there's something that you've said and, and I've had other engineers on the podcast in season one that they said, and I think it's a common theme and it's this desire to solve problems. Um, you have to genuinely love that part. And I don't mean you have to love fire drills. I don't mean you have to love, you know, being outside of yourself running a million miles a minute, but just this constant, what's going, what's going on? Is there something that's wrong and how can we fix it? How can we fix it? Well, how can we fix it on time, on budget, all that good stuff. And I think number one, if you are in high school listening to this podcast and that speaks to you, I absolutely think that you should listen to Michael and consider engineering because many, many engineering fields are this way. But I would even say to another level when you're thinking about this type of engineering where you are hands-on, like you said, getting in the field, out in the plant, and like seeing what's what's happening um, this, this is something that's going to get you really, really fired up and, and like what you do. And like you said, the more you do it, the better you get and the less, um, you know, taxing it may be. Of course, there are days that are like, I love how you said the flavor of the week or flavor of the day. Um, but like you said, if it's a 10 hour day, but it was productive, right. And you feel like you solved good problems and you worked with your team, 
then it's not um, it's not a burden, right? As, uh, as much as it may be, right? Mm, yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to interject you, but I I love I love that you say that, and I think that that for me that paints a really clear picture. And you said, can you can we just talk about this for a second though? Because I know that listeners are probably thinking that this because I am, like paint a picture of like the unit you've said out in the field in a unit. Uh-oh. What is the unit? Is the unit yeah. like plant? Like what is this? Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, units are there's for so I work in oil and gas. I've worked in a refinery, which typically the outputs for a refinery are going to be um, gasoline, diesel, aviation gas. They're going to be um, the bread and butter of the industry. That's how oil and gas started out. But then I've also worked at a chemical plant. Um, uh, so that would be in more of the petrochemical industry, but we still throw it all under oil and gas. Um, and you're making polyethylene that goes into plastic products. You're making um, butyl that goes into rubber tires. So there's all of these end products and they're, they all come from, from crude oil. And there's all these different cuts of oil and they refine them, which is basically just heating them up and doing something with them after that. I'm not a chemical engineer, so it's not my expertise. But uh, all of this, all of these products, they siphon off different cuts of, of the oil and send it to different places and they turn into different things. So those are the different units. Each of those units has a different um, end product that it produces. And a unit like what if you had to envision it and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I mean, it could consist one, there's going to be a ton of pipes because you have to transfer either fluids or gases from one place to another. There's going to be towers and a tower is like a big vessel, vertical vessel, and it could have all kinds of intricacies inside of it. All you see is the outside, but chemistry is going on there (laughs) in there. (laughs) Heat and gases and liquids doing uh, wild stuff. And then you've got big pieces of uh, rotating equipment, which is my field. So in order to get the liquids from point A to point B or from tower A to tank B, um, you need a pump to move that because uh, it won't just go that way with gravity alone. Um, and there's all kinds of you know pressures and flows that you have to account for, but um, you need compressors to move gas from point A to point B. So there, there's it's like a little... Uh, city honestly and and many times if you're in like Louisiana or Texas and you see these at night they'll be lit up and it'll it'll seem like there's literally a huge city uh wherever these plants are so I hope that helps paint a picture it totally does and honestly that's kind of what I was my imagination that's where it was taking me but I just wanted to confirm it's kind of like Santa's workshop for (laughs) oil and gas just all the things happening all the lights I just picture like lights and pipes and I love how you say a large vessel you know vertical vessel I I have a very clear picture so thank you and hopefully that was helpful for anyone who was maybe thinking the same thing because that's that's really cool I mean if you can take yourself back to maybe your first day ever visiting one of these you know units or plants or whatever you want to call it you're probably thinking oh my gosh this is crazy right and it's overwhelming and it's 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 a lot but now it's it's commonplace it's where you go every day to work and so that's got to be an interesting dichotomy as well to reflect (laughs) on your first day there (laughs) no absolutely when i first went to work i i still tell people that 
because I've stepped into somewhat of a mentoring role, just being in the field for a little bit longer. And I tell people like, don't be nervous about what you don't know, because I mean, at Georgia Tech, I, I sometimes joke with people too. It seems like we were prepared for um, higher learning or higher education, not as much for industry. Um, and so there's a lot like a pump or a compressor to me was a black box in a class where pressures and flows and temperatures go in and pressure flows, temperatures come out. Um, but it wasn't until I got to the, to a plant and I saw them in person that I was like, Oh, this is like what a pump looks like. And mm -hmm. it's got all these components. So it's, uh, it's definitely, it, you don't have to be prepared and know what everything is to, in order to step into something and. Uh, start learning. So I love that. That's that's perfect. And I, I love that. Don't be afraid of what you don't know. I think so many of us are, myself included, afraid of the unknown, right? But also just knowing that you're not going to know how to do something and having fear associated with that. But I think it's a really it's a really freeing place to know I'm walking into something and I'm not expected to know everything um, and kind of take advantage of that. I tell my students all the time, ask the questions when people are expecting you to not know, right? It's one thing when you are new <laughs> and it's different yeah. when you've been there for five years and you're like, excuse me, what is that thing? And they yeah, like, I, didn't know that. <laughs> that is great advice. And my dad probably said the exact same thing. He's like, milk the new guy thing as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there were times, I remember when I was in my first job and there were times where I would ask someone, they would be using all these, you know, jargon. They would use a lot of alliteration or a lot of, you know, acronyms. acronyms. And I would say, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, what does X, Y, Z mean? I would ask and they'd be like, that's a really good question. Let me find out. And this is someone that's worked there for like three plus years and they just never had the courage to ask. And so right. it's much better to ask when you're new. Um, okay. A couple other questions about what it is you do every day. I want you to walk us through what your favorite thing is about your job. And then on the flip side of that, maybe your least favorite, most challenging or yeah, just hardest part about what you do. Say my, uh, the favorite part of my job is, um, is the troubleshooting. So for instance, right now at the plant I'm working at, we're starting up a bunch of equipment because we're building this plant from the ground up. And when you're starting up equipment for the first time, it's not uncommon to have issues and being able to troubleshoot to, you know, get them to take different vibration readings and look at the spectrums. And I know that may seem over people's head, but like, it gets me really excited to be like, Oh, like I've seen this before. I've read about this. Uh, let's try changing this or addressing this. So the troubleshooting and working with other people, especially other people who are smarter than you or know more than you in certain areas is I, I think the most thrilling thing. And I get a lot out of it. The, uh, the least favorite part I'd say is, and I think this will probably be common in a lot of industries, but it's the politics. Um, in the end of the day, I work in a, a business that's, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry and everyone wants to make money, but how we make money um, is, can sometimes be a point of disagreement. So um, if people can have very uh, hard opinions, including myself about how things should be done and sometimes there's games to be played, or I, which I'm terrible at, which is why I've stayed technical, not management route. Um, but that's not, I, I like to just get things done. I don't, I don't like to bicker about how we get them done. Yeah, no, that's very fair. And to, I love that you say industry 
you know, across the board in every industry, unfortunately, that that is a key that it's not a key thing that you should do. It's honestly just a key thing you need to look out for of like, do you want to be a part of it or not? And I, I think to your point, it's like, you don't have to be a part of it to be a player on the team, but you also have to be aware of it's opinion, going on. opinion at the table. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's, I love, I love this question for so many reasons. And I, I just think you start to hear the same thread of, this is my least favorite thing across every industry, but if it's sales or engineering or interior design, like it doesn't matter. It starts to kind of like overlap the same types mm -hmm. of, this is my least favorite thing. So that goes along with what we were saying. It's like this dream job propaganda at the end of the day, when you have a job, there's going to be things that you don't like about it, but you just want to balance that with more things that you like. And that's kind of, that's kind of the goal at, at the end of your career journey, I would say, besides yes. like impacting people and all that. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving into um, our almost final section, which is what we call, how do I get there? So Michael, if you were a young person listening to this podcast, knowing in their heart of hearts that they want your job in five, 10, 15 years, what would be your advice for the best next step for them today or upon graduation? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, these are people in high school I'm talking to or college or college. Yeah. Yeah. Students. I, I like to just say students in general. Okay. I, I would say something that I didn't really, um, participate in. I, I, I would advocate if you are interested in engineering, dip your toes into clubs, extracurricular activities that are oriented around engineering you know if if it's building race cars like there was a asme or a sae club at georgia tech where they built like baja cars if if uh you're interested in chemistry doing something with uh like the um the the science fairs or something that allows you to um, get a feel for is this the type of work or is this the is this the way i want to use my brain in a career mm -hmm. um but it, it, more specialized like if you get into college and uh one of the things that i i kind of alluded to it earlier but electives can be very beneficial to help you um differentiate yourself to to future employees and even even without job experience because um a lot of people like if you're like me, I looked for the electives that I could get the easiest A that would boost my GPA. Mm -hmm. But I really wish I'd taken like a course on vibrations or a course on internal combustion engines, something that would be more tailored for the industry I eventually went into. I didn't know what industry I was going into. But if you if you're locked into that, I mean, look for opportunities to learn things that that set you apart. Because if you go into an interview, and you have no job experience, but you say like, I have, you know, taken these electives that um, have proven very valuable and you can give concrete reasons. I think, especially when they know they're coming to interview people who haven't had an internship before, that is invaluable and uh, will really set you apart. That's a great piece of advice. And I even, it's funny you say that because I too wish that I had taken different electives, which I just recently was thinking about this. I specifically remember 
everyone wanted to take this entrepreneurship elective. And I was like, people, you guys are crazy. I am never going to be an entrepreneur. I am definitely not taking that class. And I didn't. And look, you know, look what happened. Put out of your mouth. Now, yes, when you say, yeah. When you say things like that, that's when things started to flip in your world. And I still am like, I would have gotten so much value from that class. I wish I could go back to Georgia Tech and take that class, you know, and audit it or something. So that's a great piece of advice, especially if they're listening now and they're thinking, I may want to be in that industry. I'm already in engineering. Think outside of the box. What other electives can you take that maybe aren't required, but are going to be helpful in an interview setting and then once you're on the job. So that's perfect. Thank you for that advice. Um, and then lastly, this is the most fun section. It is our rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you some questions and I would ask that you answer them in like five seconds or less. Okay. 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 All right. What did you want to be when you grew up? A trash man. What, what's your favorite book? Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Awesome. Who is your favorite speaker of all time? Uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Oh, perfect. I love it. Um, okay, your off office accessory that you cannot live without. Oh, gosh. Uh, headphone, like a wireless headphone. Perfect. Love it. Okay. Morning beverage of choice. Coffee. Okay. I was hoping you would say that. Everyone, everyone's got to say that. No, somewhat. I, there's another episode on this season where someone said Red Bull. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Um, but okay. Speaking speaking of coffee, how do you make, how do you prefer your coffee? How do you like it? So I, for the longest time, I wasn't drinking regular. I was drinking decaf mm-hmm. um, for for health reasons. But I've slowly started to get into it, and I've really enjoyed the uh, benefits of the mental kick it gives me. Generally, <laughs> <laughs> so with uh, I just brew it out black and then put a little bit of um, milk in it. Okay, so. perfect. Um, okay, and then one piece of career advice for someone leaving school. Like, if you wrote a book on career advice, what would be like the tagline? <laughs> uh, you'll have to edit my uh, pause out of this. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'd say, I'd say, uh, for most people, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but you are your hardest critic because I killed myself the first three years in this job. I thought I was going to get fired every single day, mm-hmm. but um, that I was being harder on myself and viewed myself differently than everyone else did. So just work, work hard and don't be your, you are your hardest critic. Oh, so. I love that. That's awesome. And I, I would agree with that. There must be some sort of personality trait, Instagram, yeah. something internal, spiritual direction that, creates us in the world. And I, I completely agree. So if you're someone who already knows you have a tendency to be hard on yourself and, and, you know, discipline and all that good stuff, just know that going in. Cause I think like Michael said, the workplace is a different beast than school and it can mess with your mind. So if you don't, if you don't know, like everything's going to be okay, you're not going to get everything done on your to-do list, then you will be leaps and bounds ahead of where I was when I started my career. So 
I love that. That's a great piece of advice. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your story and your expertise and your wisdom and all the things. Um, I'm going to link up Michael's LinkedIn in the show notes. Um, so please go tell him thank you for being a part of the fourth family. And um, we just so appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity and go forth. Yes, go forth. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at sowhatdoyoudo.podcast. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com, and browse our career downloads and courses, get our weekly emails, find us on YouTube, and get inspired to go forth.